as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Looking at some of the reporting related to this, I suppose that it's a dream come true for local colleges and folks at Texas Workforce as an award was announced that's going to help with an apprenticeship nursing training at local schools in conjunction with uh, facilities over at DHR Health. From Texas Workforce, our Commissioner Julian Alvarez. Uh, Jules, welcome back to KURV. So tell me about this award and how it took some time to develop this and finally get it off the ground. So we recently were in the Valley where we awarded DHR with a uh, $1.7 million grant for their hospital training nurses and other allied health occupations. And then, of course, we were in uh, La Jolla where we awarded a JET grant for equipment that's going to be used on advanced manufacturing. But speaking back about apprenticeship nursing, Mm The healthcare systems in the Valley have been working closely with my office and other agencies like uh, Board of Nursing and, of course, Higher Ed. And we're actually trying to implement this apprenticeship nurse, which would kind of expedite but do a different type of training uh, for future nurses. And we're trying to um, we're trying to uh, address a demand. And so this would allow us to use WIOA funding, that's federal money, to pay students to do um, uh, clinical work. Where in the past. Students were not going into the healthcare industry because at some point they had to do clinicals. Well, we now at the Texas Workforce Commission set aside money along with Department of Labor, making $15 million eligible for any healthcare system that's interested in paying students to do clinical work. And we rewarded it from clinical work paid to stipends. Well, terrific. Uh, how large of a stipend are we looking at? Is, does it make a, a big chunk in tuition, uh, paying bills? Well, what are we looking at? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, so every healthcare system, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be receiving about a million dollars. So if you are Valley Baptist, that healthcare system, or DHR, each one of those healthcare systems will be eligible to pay to, to receive up to a million dollars. And of course, they'll be able to pay those students who are actually doing clinical works at, and rotations at the uh, yeah. facility. Uh, while they're doing it. And again, Sergio and Tim, this has never been done. We're like the only state that's ever implemented something like this. And this is going to allow us to facilitate that need to get more people uh, into this uh, industry. Let me make sure I understand this correctly. Julian Alvarez from our Commissioner of Texas Workforce Commission. It's a $15 million pool. Of course, DHR gets 1.7. Other health systems getting a million plus as well to train these future nurses uh, and um, this money, uh, well, I'm sure it's going to help staffing tremendously on the ground. Do you have any idea how many nurses this will help produce for the for the region? Well, between now and 2032, Sergio, we are going to be needing about 57,000 nurses around the state and the country. And so just the fact that we're going to be training hundreds, we're training hundreds at South Texas College, Texas Southmost, TSTC, 
Valley Grande Institute. I mean, all of these individuals are going to be taking advantage of this pool of money that's going to be awarded through the boards or workforce boards helping those healthcare systems. So the grant that we just recently awarded DHR is a little different because that's a skills development grant. We're partnering up with them. This one that I'm speaking about specifically uh, addresses those paid interns or clinicals while these students are doing their, their rotations. Our commissioner, Texas, which has never been done, never been done, just so that you know. So the state of Texas, again, through the WIOA reserve money that we had, allocated the $10 million plus $5 million from the federal government to make this possible. First time ever. And as you know, I was just in Washington where I made that uh, announcement to the folks there at the, the White House. Commissioner, Texas Workforce Commission, Julian Alvarez, our guest. Now, Julian, Tim Sullivan here. So the, the yes, state Tim. money, the state grant, ultimately comes from the federal government? Yeah, so, so the money that I awarded um, DHR, the 1.7, and that's to train new and incumbent workers. That's not the nurses. Some of them were nurses, but some of them were in HVAC and other allied health occupations. That money is general revenue money that's appropriated by our legislators. And so is the money that I awarded La Jolla recently for that advanced manufacturing or that advanced uh, welding equipment. Yeah. And so, again, those students will be working either at SpaceX or at DHR or any of the other healthcare systems. That's general, that's general appropriated money through the legislature. The money that I'm talking about for the paid um, stipends, that is from the federal government. You're correct, Tim. Okay. For the Skills Development Fund grant, then. And, yes, and then let me clarify this, too. Is it for just for training or also recruiting nurses or both? It can be a combination of both because, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're training your incumbent workers, obviously that's a great tool to not only retain them, but it's also good marketing, saying, hey, look, they're going to invest in me. I think I'm going to go to that healthcare system. But the good thing about what we're doing is this is across the board. So many of the discussions that we've been having, not only with MD Anderson in Houston or Baylor Scott and White here in Central Texas, the same discussions have been taking place with the um, South, South Texas healthcare systems, Valley Baptist, DHR, and some of the other fine institutions in the Valley. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So um, where will the money go? I mean, what type of training specifically for these nurses? Well, it depends. So we're going to, on this, on this idea about this apprenticeship nurse, our goal is to get those students that are transitioning out from medical assistance and now pay them while they're in class and doing these um, clinicals, they are actually going to go from a medical assistant to an LVN. Now, South Texas College and uh, DHR are working on this RN transition to BSN. This apprenticeship program would allow us to pay for them. So we would allow them to be paid as kind of doing rotations and having uh, classroom work. So the way this apprenticeship program is going to work is there's going to be 2,000 hours of clinical work and about 144 hours of instruction. So during the day, they'll work, getting paid, and at night, they'll go to classes. Hmm. Wow. Long day. Yeah, I was just. Oh, just so that you know, Tim and Seth, we would be the first state in the country to do this. No different than what we did at 5 by 5 uh, and where we implemented this apprenticeship brewmaster course. So we've been doing that. And, and so South Texas College has been amazing to work with. Very innovative, and we're very fortunate that we as a state and in the region have a training facilities like them there. Yeah. Uh, in just one of the write-ups that I had read, it said that the fund's going to be used to train nurses in 
a number of areas, but they mentioned trauma care, oncology, yes. diabetes management. Yeah, I mean, those are specialties. So that's going to be the training above what they already receive when they exit uh, higher ed or the community colleges. It's kind of like what DHR is doing now. They're taking PAs, transitioning them with the skills development grant. We're actually teaching them to be mental health uh, experts or uh, the specialty or, or wound care. And that's something that's never been done. Julian Alvarez, Commissioner, Texas Workforce Commission. So much is happening, Jules, when it comes to training our kids or young ones to yeah. seize the future. It's great to see what's taking place on the medical side because thanks to the medical school that our university and partnerships with the health systems that you were mentioning, and everybody's in there from Valley Baptist, DHR, DHR taking a big yeah. lead on this. Everybody, South Texas, everybody's involved in trying to churn uh, out more health professionals on the other side of job creation in the area. Man, we're about to see an economic revolution and leadership at the Port of Brownsville. They are just chomping at the bit and expecting to hear a final investment decision on liquefied natural gas in the area, which you can just imagine. It's overnight it's going to create uh, all these thousands of jobs for metal workers and engine repair people, scaffolding, and all Texas State uh, you know, Texas State Technical College and Texas Southmost College and a whole bunch of other colleges trying to get our kids prepared for that. Uh, are you getting ready for all those phone calls when we get that final investment decision to make sure we make sure that we, our kids, our WETCOs are the ones that are taking those jobs uh, by the thousands that will soon be available thanks to the billions of private sector investment in the area? Yeah, I mean, we're certainly taking advantage of that. I mean, during the pandemic, as you can tell, or if you've, you've seen, 70 companies came to this great state of ours. And why'd they do that? Because we have fine institutions of higher ed and high schools that are actually training these students. Like you mentioned earlier, we're being proactive in our approach and what we're training and wasting no one's time. And I also want to remind everyone who's listening in, and that is that most the most demanding jobs or occupations in, te- in Texas don't require a four year degree. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the fact that we have this option that students now have. They can go to the four year route or they can actually go to the community college route with industry recognized credentials to be successful. And even in high school, brother. I mean, I just had the folks from Texas A&M and their program, the one year anniversary for that, that pool of money they've been yes. using. High schools. That uh, was $10 million. That was a $10 million investment. Right? Wasn't that great? And that was led they, by Senator Lucy on that. And, and, and probably more to come. I mean, I'm reminded of another one. It's like a flood of them. Edinburgh CISD. Uh, we've been talking with them. They got a 100,000 square foot facility like a super Walmart, like the size for yes. technical cr- training around the corner to try to meet the demand for all these jobs here pretty soon. So Tim and Sergio, just so that you know, you know, the equipment that I awarded through the JET grant, Jobs Education for Texans, and again, that's appropriated through our legislature. And it's interesting because of the 50 states, 49 of them don't have this ability or luxury to have money that's actually appropriated by the legislature for funding equipment. And so it's kind of interesting because the equipment that they received, 10 of the units that they received, if it was 10 or maybe close to approximately 10, are all virtual reality headsets for welding. I mean, who's, that's, that's amazing Excellent. what's happening yeah. is the technology well, we're using to make the traits uh, uh, attractive to young adults. That's good to hear. And, and we'll, we'll reap the benefits and um, harvest all this 10, 20, 30, 40 years, a generation from now, we will see it, the economic transformation in South Texas. As our kids, uh, they will take all these jobs, and we're going to get them trained for it. Thank you, Julian, for the update, and keep it coming. Julian Alvarez, our commissioner for Texas Workforce.
you're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Eddie Trevino is our Cameron County judge joining us on the Valley's morning news. Judge, welcome back. So let's get the big topic out of the way. I know in the past several days there's been a back and forth between the sheriff's office and the new budget over at the county. Uh, I claim that there's been a, a big cut over at the sheriff's office. I want to give you a chance to address the uh, the cut in, in budget or what's going on over at county in the new budget, Judge? All right, well, there was no cut uh, per se, but there needed to be addressed the reality that the sheriff, uh, through his uh, efforts, or lack thereof, lost the uh, federal inmate contract along with the uh, Hidalgo County inmate. Uh, That happened uh, mid-year, and uh, this was after he had pledged that he would be uh, the best administrator uh, that the county had ever seen and knew what he was doing with regards to running the sheriff's office. That caused an immediate uh, revenue shortfall mid-budget last year, and was uh, of immediate concern as we were planning and preparing for our budget new fiscal year starting October 1. So um, we requested numerous uh, ideas, meetings, discussions with regards to uh, his ideas on how to address this deficiency in in revenue, not only the loss of the, the inmate revenue, but the additional overtime costs, which he said he would control, they were almost uh, 1.8 over our budget and amount of 500000 Plus, the inmate meal costs also went up uh, almost 100%, uh, almost $2 million. So a total loss uh, of about uh, over $6 million was what we were looking at. So it had to be addressed immediately uh, mid-year. We froze the vacant positions the jailer positions uh, and a few uh, deputy sheriff positions, but mainly the jailer positions. Um, The commanders of the jail did meet and come to the commissioner's court during the budget process and had a couple of ideas. And uh, we were able to address some some immediate concern uh, of seven jailers back in uh, August and September. Uh, But but since then, um, you know, we, we, we had no other alternative uh, the only other alternative would have been to, to raise taxes, and, and obviously that was not an alternative that, that we wanted okay, so or an option that we wanted to use. Midstream so last fiscal year, to, okay, you, you lost sorry, that revenue. Uh, I think it's important to to visit the inmate revenue. Maybe just do a quick explanation for working people driving around town. Uh, of course, you would host inmates, I'm guessing, from for the feds or for out of county from other counties, right? And you get right, paid a, right. you get paid a per we, diem. We so had, just we had been yeah. we'd been operating and 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 uh, receiving inmates from the U.S. Marshal Service, the federal inmates, 
and also those from Hidalgo County. We'd been housing those for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. So uh, based upon the history, uh, we had obviously projected revenue. That's how that's how our our municipal, our county budgets work. And uh, when we lost that revenue, we had to make an immediate uh, decision. So we had to address it immediately. Otherwise, end up having to dip into our fund balance, which is a you know a big big mistake and a big big no no. That's that that's reserved for emergency situations like like what Florida's uh, uh, undergoing, things of that nature that, that that are not planned. So the loss of revenue was also not planned, but the, the we could address it by utilizing the vacancies uh, that were not being filled that were open, and so. Obviously, if we're not having these inmates for the next coming year, for the next fiscal year, the best way to do that was to eliminate those positions. How much money we're talking and about, it, Judge? How much money? It was it was a total of over six million dollars that we had to address. Why was it not uh, re-upped, or what happened to those contracts again? Well, the, the federal marshal service obviously you'd have to talk to them and and Hidalgo County, but uh, maybe they just didn't feel that uh, that um, the sheriff's administration. Uh, was was secure enough or i don't know what words you want to use that they felt comfortable enough to continue sending sending the inmates over to uh to our jail is that money gone for the next fiscal year or can you get it back in yeah. a, a future well we, we can get it back excuse me we can get it back <laughs> but uh that's up to them and we've been having these conversations sheriff even asked for help hiring a consultant and uh, we we referred him we we approved the hiring of that consultant which has been trying to negotiate a new per diem, but a new per diem without new inmates means absolutely nothing. Uh, also, we uh, referred him over to the state uh, jail standards. They've got they've got an office that assists uh, with regards to any administration or or, or uh, administrating issues. Uh, I don't know if he's reached out to them. We 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 approved that he do that. So uh, this was purely. I mean, unfortunately, he he, he never addressed this during the year. Uh, he didn't address it during the budget process. Never came, even though we requested his his attendance and his presence and his ideas uh, during the budget process. Never once did that. Yeah. Uh, I guess he chose to make this a political issue to to attack. Referring to the sheriff, yeah, re- yeah, referring to the sheriff in Cameron County. Our our guest yes. right now is uh, our Cameron County Judge Eddie Trevino. Oh, well, that's one fiscal issue you got on the to-do plate. Now, uh, entering a new fiscal year for you, I noticed that some of the projects. Uh, Internet improvement projects for the county. What can you report on that? This is this is a uh, a, a project that we that we've initiated. We want to take advantage of the fact that the uh, federal and state governments have made uh, monies available to help access uh, to help uh, broadband access, especially in those areas, in particular here in the valley. Let's say where we realized during the pandemic that we were woefully uh, behind with regards to to broadband access. So we, we, we've initial, uh, initiated this survey that we need as many people as possible in the county to participate in. Number one, the survey will indicate the strength of their, um, their uh, Internet service. Uh, and then two, they need to do a, what we call a speed test from their home or from their, bi- or from their business, both preferably, in order to show how, 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 how uh, slow the Internet is particular for those that even have access many don't even have access and we need to be able to provide that information the more information we get the more participation we have in the survey the better chances are is our is of our application being approved 
state and federal level and getting those monies in order to develop that uh, technological infrastructure that we need in order to provide broadband access to all of our residents, both in cities and out. So just because, like, for example, Brazil's doing their own uh, broadband project, uh-huh. uh, we still can, can take advantage of, of the citizens of Brazil participating in the survey. It's with and, and, and without uh, uh, people who live within or without cities. Sure. Does any of that include, you know, our neighbor? Down the street, Mr. Elon Musk and his Starlink project. That from space we can get some of that internet coverage. Does that any of that? Inc- well, that that that's obviously there's some discussions, but but this deals with regards to the to the federal and state grants that 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 we're trying to get access to, to. improve connectivity. Once, once our application is done, and and hopefully we're successful then we'll know what kind of monies we're dealing with and, and, and what kind of uh, infrastructure we're going to be able to develop. And we're going to, again, we're going to partner up with uh, the professionals of the third party that are already in that business. We don't want to go into the into the internet business. We don't want to be in the business where we, we develop the, the, the brick and here. Normally you say brick and mortar here. You're talking about obviously the technological infrastructure, but we don't want to be in the operation and maintenance of that uh, the middle mile or the technical tech, uh, technological broadband infrastructure that we're missing. Uh, we're going to partner up with those entities uh, that, that are ready in that business. And going on to a new, uh, our judge, Cameron County, Eddie Trevino, joining us for now, going into a new fiscal year, either a prominent budget item or uh, tax rates uh, that come to mind that either freezing them or raising them. What's the plan for Cameron County? We were able to uh, keep the same tax rate that we've had for the last four years. Uh, obviously, I don't. I think if we hadn't run into this issue with the sheriff's office, I think we would have been in a position to um, to hopefully even lower the rate. But in spite of in spite of uh, the, the the problems created by the sheriff and and his administration, we were able to keep the same tax rate and still give a modest. Uh, increases to our employees for those making 70,000 or below we gave them a 3% pay increase for those making between 70 and 100,000 a 2% increase and for those on their over 100,000 a 1% increase um, we didn't have we did not have a lot of extra money to work with this year but we were able to maintain all of our major services and uh, and avoid a, a tax uh, increase especially during this time uh, of higher cost for all of our families and for our employees so that was uh, that was paramount to us to do what we could. Um, I think we would have been in much better shape had we not run into this problem, with the, unfortunately, with the, with the sheriff's office. Judge, best of luck. We'll keep in touch. Our Cameron County Judge, Eddie Trevino. Your Houston Astros play here. And he drives this one up the middle. That's a base hit. Catch Astros baseball action all season long on News Talk 710 KURV. Deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. Every hit. Every home run. First pitch and he drives it. Left field. Good one. It's out of here. Astros baseball is powered by F&T Valley Motorsports, Riverside Development Services, MissionIncredible.com, and News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. In the event there's a tropical system in the Gulf of Mexico, 
Turning this way, you want to keep it tuned to 710 KURV. Stay informed during hurricane season. Tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at KURV.com. Made possible by Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC, Vega Roofing, McAfee Insurance, and Elephant Building Materials. Director of Economic Development Efforts for our city of Wessico is Steve Valdez, and we welcome back the KURV. It's the end of a fiscal year, and I understand, Steve, it's been a pretty successful year for you all, so let's go back and take a look at some of the success stories for for this past fiscal year. Yeah, good morning, guys. Tim, thanks for having me. You bet, brother. But yeah, ever since we started recording our data for the creation of jobs and capital investment, probably in the last six years, we've actually had our highest number so far. Uh, highest number meaning for us in capital investment over 32 million and the creation of uh, uh, just over 500 jobs. So it, it's been a great year so far. So, yeah, thanks again for having me. Most of those jobs and the investment, what was it in, Steve? Was it retail? Was there a little bit of light manufacturing, other type of businesses? What, what can you report? It's really a combination. We only keep track of retail and industrial, and it's been a combina- combination of the two. Uh, I think the last time we talked, to, we, we talked about all of the commercial investments that you see or construction that you see going up along the expressway. And, th- and that's still happening. Uh, that's still uh, definitely uh, travel, particularly on the south side of the expressway. You see uh, ground moving, dirt moving, buildings going up. And the majority of that comes from, from that type of investment along the expressway. Steve Valdez is the Economic Development Director for Westico. The customer base in that portion of Hidalgo County, as retailers show up, why is it that they come here? How, how big is your potential customer base in the Mid-Valley, mid Steve? Well, it's great because, you know, ever since, uh, I, I, I like to say this because it's, it's, I'm from the Mid-Valley, I'm from Westico, and, and, you know, as the Valley continues to grow, uh, as the region continues to grow, being centrally located means a lot more now than it did before. And so retailers are realizing that, that being centrally located, that you can, you can live in Westlaco and work anywhere uh, close by because you're centrally located. And then, of course, you can live anywhere and also work in Westlaco. So it works both ways. So being centrally located for us has really, really been the biggest factor in the kind of growth that we've been seeing. And then, of course, everybody's growing. I mean, you look at most towns as you travel through the expressway, and you see a regional growth, which is really great for the entire Rio Grande Valley. The airport, how much does it contribute to your growth? Well, quite a bit. Actually, you know, one of the reasons we've been growing, particularly in our industrial park, is because we've got that proximity to the Mid-Valley Airport. Uh, we just opened up three new hangars, and within those three new hangars, we could fit about between six to ten private jets. And, uh, you know, those private private corporate uh, management type of owners can fly into Westlaco. They We have some of the most affordable gas prices in the region as well, and so they can fly into Westlaco. Their jets are going to be taken care of while they do business, not just in Westlaco, but in the, in the region because of our central location. And uh, we, we actually have a, another private hangar that's under construction right now that will probably fit another six jets inside. That's, one of, that's in, ending up being one of the largest hangars that we have. 
uh, that one owned by the by the Payne Auto Group next door. Uh, and and you know, in our industrial park, it's really helping us in in recruiting companies when they know that they can build in our industrial park and have proximity to an airport and travel in and out. Uh, two of our largest companies that we have coming in uh, that we've recruited. Uh, that's one of the main reasons why they chose Westaco, mainly, uh, and, and for other reasons okay. also because of the, okay. the uh, Mid-Valley Airport. All right, well, good. That's Steve Valdez with Westaco EDC joining us. Yeah, Steve, Tim Sullivan here. Just to elaborate on that a little bit, uh, you mentioned those two new companies. Which two new companies, and then also who who is using that airport? You you, you say it's, you know, they're corporate jets, but who's all flying in? Who's... Um, Who's using the airport? Because I know you're marketing it more to uh, you know corporate, corporate jets and, and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, who's flying in, and who's taking a look at Westlaco? <laughs> well, the, the the two companies that that we've recruited haven't given us permission to announce, uh, but they are distribution companies. They uh, the the largest one uh, is bringing uh, a building uh, about a two hundred two hundred and 50,000 square foot building. Uh, that investment in today's prices is going to cost about $30 million for that building. Uh, and, and they're bringing 200 jobs. And then the second distribution company is, is a little smaller. Their building is running about $10 million. Uh, and from what we understand, about 150 jobs. Um, but the people that are flying in and out um, are, are people that are already doing business. I mean, we, we talk about... Uh, uh, one of the largest la- uh, building owners is a gentleman by the name of Joaquin Spammer, and those in, in the industry of, of cotton distribution know him well, uh, and he has probably about three planes on his own with his own company. And then uh, Mr. Abraham Thanus is also in the area, uh, a longtime resident of Westlake. His family also probably has as many jets, and so those are two that we know of for sure, and they're very kind and generous. They've offered us. Uh, uh, r- plane rides anywhere in the world, <laughs> actually not in the world, in the United States if, if we need it. Uh, but those are two that just come to mind. I certainly hope we don't, uh, that they're okay with us mentioning their names, but they're great business owners in our Well, community. we'll find out soon enough, won't we? You can get a phone call. Uh, Steve Aldez joining us from Westlake ADC. Uh, the two dis- the big distribution companies, uh, w- actually that big one, uh, a quarter million uh, square foot facility is that a Westlake project or down the street at near the Donna Bridge? Where is that uh, logistics place? Well, as a matter of fact, we're having our our groundbreaking ceremony for the new industrial park, and we're calling it the Mid Valley International Industrial Park because it's also on International Boulevard, and there's connections off of 1015, so it's really on the corner of Mile Nine and Westlake, which is two miles. North of the okay, expressway so and FM project. 1015. Okay. And uh, the event is October 14th, so we invite everybody out at 9 o'clock. Um, but uh, that's the new location. We okay. have about 150 acres that we've developed. We're going to start construction. Uh, you'll already see some movement, some big earth-moving machines out there if you drive by today. Uh, we're expecting our Mayor David Swatis to welcome the, oh, the audience. Uh, he's also going to be followed by our county commissioner, David Flintis, our state representative, Armando Martinez, and Eddie, Mr. Eddie Lucio, former senator, of course, and then our congressman, Vicente Gonzalez. They're all lined up to talk and, and to welcome 
the new industries that are coming to Westville. Yeah, that second industrial park. Well, congratulations on that. Now, what would you say is driving the logistics, warehousing, and, of course, the industrial, uh, big industrial footprint that you have, um, the industrial park footprint? Is it agriculture? Is it international trade? Is it manufacturing nearby across the river? What's the big driver? Well, the, the two companies that, that are, are coming in that I mentioned that are distribution companies yeah. uh, distribute uh, a product that is used uh, to a large degree in the Valley. One of them is an international type of distribution company. They're very well known worldwide, uh, and they have other locations in the region as well. And, and as the Valley continues to grow, their, their need to be able to put products out into people's front doors is also an important part. So being in the in the mid valley is also important. Uh, the the other the larger one um, handles retail throughout uh, also the region. So they'll go all the way from uh, the island South Padre Terrific. Island all the way to big Walmart. distribution center. Okay, well, good, Steve. Congratulations. Keep in touch. Um, that's continued success in this new fiscal year. Steve Valdez is director of economic development efforts, Westlaco. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. And we welcome back the chief at our Rio Grande Valley Port of Browns. Well, our monthly conversation with Director Ed Campinano, taking a look at some of the news uh, coming to us from the newsletter. First up, the improvements um, deepening that port 42 feet down to 52 feet. The Brazos Island Harbor Channel Improvement Project. So, how's this paid, Chief? How, how much? How big is it? And how much? How's it paid? Well, it's. Good morning, first of all. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning to all. First of all, it's uh, it's a project that it's a collaboration. Uh, one of the references to this particular project that it's being done differently than any other. This is the first project under the uh, P3 initiative that the Corps launched in 2018. So uh, this relies heavily on private uh, partner participation. In this case, it's Rio Grande LNG. It relies heavily on the port's participation and, and certainly looks for the federal participation. So the combination of funding for this project, uh, you know, will likely be in the $400 million range of which um, uh, the private sector partner uh, will pay a significant part of that, almost 60% of it. Uh, and then the balance of it will come through the efforts of the Port of Brownsville itself. Uh, we have a contribution which is called 
you know, the non-federal sponsor participation. Right now, we're looking at about 42 million. And then the uh, federal uh, participation to date is the approximately 68 million that was received through the uh, uh, Infrastructure uh, Investment and Jobs Act announcement that was made in March. and then some additional funding from the core. So right now they're looking at about 75 million. So, you know, it is a it is a collaboration of, of multiple funding streams. But uh, at the end of the day, it uh, it accomplishes okay. what needs to be accomplished, and it's important to get this channel improved and and deepening to 52 feet is is really about sustaining the port's activities into how, the future. How long will this project take, and might we be hosting? bigger ships very soon and maybe even some more tenants offboarding onboarding stuff we will be uh, the project itself will expected to be complete in 2023 um, uh, possibly as uh, into early 2024 but uh, uh, it will it will uh, begin work uh, in fact we'll, we'll start working on it um, before the end of the year on the ports part which is uh, preparing the the levees where the material is placed once it's dug out of the uh, or once it's uh, dredged from the uh, from the channel it has to be placed and so we call those drip, dredge material placement areas so we will start working on that end as early as the end of this year uh, once those are complete uh, then you see the dredgers move into the uh, ship channel to begin actual um, uh, dredging of the channel. Some of this will also include beneficial use. Uh, there is sand uh, that will be uh, part of this project, especially as you get closer to the Gulf, to the jetties and into the Gulf. So that will probably wind up on the beaches of South Padre Island. Okay. And so uh, uh, there's a host of activities surrounding a project of this nature. Are they calling you? Are companies that are into export, import, are they calling you or say, hey, we, we hear that the port's getting a little deeper and we'd like to send some ships and maybe set yeah. up shop there at the port. Yeah. I, I will tell you that we, we've, we've got a couple of two or three projects that we're working with in development phase. And they're, I would say they're a direct result of the fact that we are going to a deeper draft. Okay, and well, that's most good. Most of these are uh, projects that are looking at sizable exports to foreign countries. And, and certainly additional draft is going to be a big plus. This deepening of the channel, does this complement the the prospect of LNG exports at the port. Is this part of that? that well, it does. Okay. It does. Uh, 52 feet is is not necessarily uh, um, uh, what the LNGs need. Uh, they, they don't need that draft, but it will certainly assist in the safe navigation of, uh, of vessels when you're talking about l- larger cargo. So, yes, this will, this will be important to not only the LNG exports, but even our existing customers, whether it's going to be our slab importer, uh, you know, they want to be able to bring in uh, a greater volume of cargo with each sailing. Uh, in order to do so, they need an additional uh, uh, they need additional depth to be, be able to bring in those ships that are capable of handling 70, 80,000 uh, metric tons of steel slab. Currently, we're topped off at about 55,000. And really pushing the envelope at about thirty-nine feet, sometimes forty foot on the navigation. <laughs> oh wow! You always leave you always leave some space between uh-huh. the bottom and where uh, the bottom of the vessel is. What they call you know because there's times where they call squat. So you know you you, you, oh, you know you my. always have to leave and 
and the LNGs even have a, 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 a greater space for safety. So uh, they normally need to leave possibly four to six feet, where some others would leave two to three yeah. feet. So it, it, it's, it's certainly going to help. That's that real absolutely. tight. Now, um, I was, as you were telling me, uh, Ed Campinano, director of Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville, as you're telling me just how tight it might be. It's a good thing we haven't seen like an Ian type of hurricane around here moving all, the, all this sand and silt around uh, during a big storm. Cause, boy, that would really complicate things, uh, a business well, at the port. Well, but but you know that happens. It doesn't it doesn't need an Ian. I mean that would make it potentially real severe. But I mean we do have uh, 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 in times where we'll have uh, storm related activity and uh-huh. and you know creates a lot of uh, activity uh, in the in the ocean and and we won't we won't feel it. But you know sixty days later, all of a sudden there's there's shoaling at the entrance to the jetties and so. It does occur, you know. Dredging is something that happens a lot in the Gulf Coast, and okay. certainly uh, we're no different than any other port along the Gulf. Yes, sir. We, we experience shoaling that can be from, you know, just some weather activity that doesn't create any 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 harm or really doesn't even come on shore, but all of a sudden you feel it when you know the the, the ships are going through. And guess what? You know, there's a there's a shoal in in the jetties that needs to be taken care of. Texas A&M Advanced Manufacturing, the train program. A few days back, they held an event there at the port. We're talking about partnerships with local colleges, especially uh, high schools and uh, local uh, high schools, some training programs. Does the port benefit from some uh, of these new courses uh, that will be Absolutely. starting Absolutely. In okay. fact, we've already enrolled some of our own employees as well as uh, employees from companies here at the port through some of the training that's offered through the uh, RAMI initiative. So, yes, uh, not only will the port benefit, the new industry coming, existing industry. Uh, I mean, this this is a great program. You know, essentially what it does is it provides training uh, uh, for various skill sets. Uh, existing employees, employees are looking for a moving, uh, and, and at the end of the day, each and every one of them earns a certificate that has the Texas A&M seal. Most importantly, it's free. Um, the, the initiative was a result of $10 million that A&M received in the last biennium, and so the goal is to train 10,000 employees. It's not only port employees, it's employees in the region. So, um, again, you know, that's a great benefit to the individual who uh, will receive that training for yeah. free and will also receive a certified uh, A&M certificate that they can take that to their employer, whether they're looking to move up in the existing uh, where they were or help them seek employment. So. Uh, port companies and ourselves as a port have already benefited right. by putting some of our employees through this training. Chief, I've got 15 seconds left. I just need a yes or no. You still confident LNG final investment decision comes before December 31st this year? Yes. <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll, yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. We'll talk next month Let's, as we get closer to the end. That's Ed Campinano, the director, Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. 
It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. An old friend, and I emphasize old, Mike Willis with the South Texas Manufacturing (laughs) Association. Good to talk to you again, Mike. Hey, tell working people what the South Texas Manufacturers Association does. Who do you represent, brother? Well, we're an independent uh, nonprofit industry trade association, sort of in the same category as uh, as Chamber of Commerce is such a business professional business association. So we have about 170 companies that are members of our association from all over the valley and some from the other side of the river as well. Okay. Obviously, mostly manufacturing companies. We have some, a lot of partnerships with the schools, economic development corporations. We have some banks and uh, industrial suppliers, but it's mostly over 100 manufacturing companies from the region belong to our association from all over the valley. That, yeah, we're the that... only association in the valley, so we're, we represent the region. You, you know how to gauge this because you, you've had your eye on this uh, portion, this sector of the economy for the longest time. And, and recently you provided some comments on this, and I want to get you on here to talk about it. Uh, over the past um, several years, um, I don't know, maybe dating back, maybe back to a decade or more, what has been the general trend of manufacturing in South Texas and for your partners in northern Mexico? As far as the industry itself? Yeah, as far as growth. Yeah, um, well, you know, the Valley, we're, we're seeing a lot of growth lately, uh, especially down around the port in Brownsville. Um, with, of course, SpaceX, Keppel Amphils, between them, they've got over 3,500 employees. Um, uh, our industry weathered the pandemic reasonably well. You know, there was a lot of interruptions and, you know, production delays, and a lot of the companies are still chasing um supply chain shortages and, and those sorts of things. But overall, you know, the industry weathered it pretty well. We haven't seen, on this side of the river, we haven't seen dramatic uh, drop in the numbers. We've pretty well held our own the last few years as far as uh, the number of people working okay. in manufacturing. That's good. Um, yeah. Yep. The challenge now, you know, we're back to where really the economy has rebounded back to where we were in 2019 before the pandemic hit. We have an extremely tight labor market uh, approaching uh, our record low unemployment rates we hit in the area and around the country in 2019. So it's getting really tight as far as trying to find the people that companies need to grow and expand and also to recruit new companies to the region. Well, the South Texas Manufacturers Association, Mike Willis, our guest on the morning news. In conversations with some economic development folks in South Texas, uh, they, they seem to be chomping at the bit hoping to see more repatriation from China, whether it's to our shores or maybe over to Mexico, get some of the maquilas to sop up some of those uh, Chinese manufacturing jobs, bring them over to at least this side of the planet. What have you seen? Have they been successful in that? Is there a possibility we might see more repatriation or relocation of jobs to this portion of, of the hemisphere? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, Texas has been a, a huge beneficiary. Even this uh, recent semiconductor, you know, law that or act that was passed has already stimulated a lot of uh, interest in Texas. And not, you know, I think uh, I think there's a big electric battery plant potentially going in in Rogstown. It's going to be a uh, many hundreds of million dollars investment, if not more. Nice. Um, so I think I think 
you know, there's a lot of good opportunities. And, and you know, the, the U.S.-Mexico-Canadian trade agreement that uh, was negotiated uh, a year or two ago is, uh, has some provisions in it that uh, encourage uh, or incentivize uh, companies that are manufacturing, for example, in Mexico or overseas to put some of their automotive-related production on, in the United States. They didn't do it by stipulating what country, but the wages have to be at a certain level in order to avoid some penalties. So uh, we were already seeing some interest in that. But I think COVID is just like the tsunami back in Japan, you know, 10 or 12 years ago that disrupted the whole supply chain. Companies, manufacturing companies are beginning to realize that they have to attach, assign a little more risk to the cost of doing business overseas. So uh, we are seeing a lot of interest from uh, companies in Europe and China and elsewhere that are um, uh, cons- at least con- considering or being pressured by their their customers to produce more in North America. I don't think we're going to get a lot of big labor-intensive assembly-type operations in the United States, but I think we've got a pretty good chance at getting a lot, a lot more uh, – manufacturing located here there's been a lot of big announcements especially in the semiconductor yeah arena you know micro, micro technologies yeah. and um, i forget all the companies off the top of my head but there's a lot of big investment coming on in the semiconductors because that there's national security implications to having to get all your semiconductors from china and places like that yeah but that being said we still compete you know china's losing manufacturing business to vietnam because the Wage rates are so much lower in Vietnam than China's now that China's uh, been, you know, been manufacturing base for years. Their wages are rising pretty rapidly. So it's it's a very fluid thing, but I do think we're going to see uh, uh, some noticeable growth in manufacturing over the next 10 years in the U.S. I was talking over you there a moment back. You did mention Micron, right? The big whopper of a headline 10 months ago, of course, we had... Uh, we had Keith Patrick over at McAllen just plot that little Christmas gift of a headline in December. We were talking about computer chip manufacturing here in the McAllen area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was 10 months ago. And he said, yeah, we give it a year, year and a half. So we might be just a few months away from seeing some movement on that. Well, that chip manufacturer uh, here in the uh, Metro McAllen area, do you think it's going to spur, um, maybe um, encourage relocation, arrival of a more complementary type of manufacturing industry nearby to, to support the creation of computer chips. Has there been talk about that at the Manufacturers Association? Well, that's what typically happens. I, I don't have a lot of insight on the chip uh, prospect. Um, and if I did, I couldn't talk about it. But um, the um, you tend to see uh, clusters of suppliers congregate in an area when a big when a big uh, you know, tier one type uh, company or plant opens, you know, like for example, SpaceX and being at the port now has stimulated a lot of other aerospace Mm -hmm. interest from other aerospace companies and looking at the region. Uh, The same thing happens on this end of the valley when when you have, you know, we have like companies like Steelcase in Reynosa and they located, build an office furniture in Reynosa. Um, That's resulted in, uh, I know, uh, a lot of recycling business and several manufacturers on this side of the river that came down here and opened plants to service steel case. So that's that's kind of how we benefit from the one way we benefit from the presence of the Makila industry. You know, it's not just all the thousands of people working over there, it's all the other jobs that 
to get created because of their presence there. Yeah. I I recall your time at Texas Workforce years ago, a decade back. We talked a lot about education and training the local workforce and training the kids to take in all these jobs. And, boy, just a decade down the road, it seems like everybody is getting ready. Edinburgh CISD with a 100,000-square-foot facility, Texas Southmost College, Texas State Technical College, STC, everybody's got some type of work training program, even on the medical side. we we got millions of dollars. And from high school kids to young college kids, it seems like we're getting ready for the the big push in manufacturing here in South Texas. Yeah, I mean all, all the all the sectors are growing, and, and manufacturing is no exception. So we'll we'll see we'll see that we've got a lot of we. That's one of the things STMA has done over the years is work closely with all the community colleges to create uh, dual use that dual enrollment model where high school kids can co-enroll in college courses at a community college while they're in high school. We've Good got skill. a program we've helped create with South Texas College called the Advanced Manufacturing Technology. They have a two-year associate degree in advanced manufacturing, um, and it's in somewhere around five or six school districts with Excellent. probably 150 to 200 students, a lot of them graduating high school now with a high school diploma and an associate. Mike, uh, appreciate uh, your insight. Good to talk to you again. Mike Willis with the South Texas Manufacturers Association. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.